He who does not cultivate his field will die of hunger. Amen. A Guinean proverb. Amen. Welcome to the Uzima Health and Wellness Podcast. What did the doctor doctor say? Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday. All right. You in the N.O.? I am in the New Orleans. All right. I love it. I love it. All right. So tell me now, you are in New Orleans. In New Orleans, um, finalizing arrangements and housing and those kind of things. But I start June 1st. I've signed a contract uh, in December. Give him six months notice uh, in Los Angeles. Uh-huh. But I'll be chairman of the Department of Psychiatry and assistant dean for uh, diversity and community engagement at uh, LSU School of Medicine in New Orleans. Uh, I was chairman at Wake Forest, and I had friends then who said I may have been uh, the first African-American chairman of the psychiatry department uh, in this region of the country. Uh, so definitely trying to make sure that the things we do that are important for African-Americans in psychiatry and mental health, uh, we have some leadership and uh, in, in people in leadership roles in uh, these hugely important Southern states. So very proud of the opportunity. There's a lot, lot, lot to be done here in New Orleans uh, yeah. to really increase the quality of lives for African-American people. Now, were you the first uh, African-American chairman at Wake as well? I was in psychiatry. Um, and I, I was also followed a big program. Most of these med schools have 20, 25 divisions. Mm-hmm. They're only about already big. Those are the ones with residents and medical students. And I, mean, I had about 150 people on my staff. Uh, I think there were some other persons in some small departments that didn't have, a, they were not full um, um, academically oriented settings under what's called LCME or the Liaison Committee for Medical Education. Uh, so um, uh, I was not the first or the only uh, AA chair for a clinical department, but I was for an academically oriented uh, teaching department. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Well, the NO is going to welcome you, and I can't wait to find you. And uh, we're going to have some beignets, because I love yeah. beignets. <laughs> this beignets. doctor likes beignets. <laughs> so that's, just, that's just so you know, just so you know. Listen, you know, I bothered you this Sunday. And I appreciate you. First of all, I'm Dr. Kendra Outler, uh, CEO and founder of Uzima Health and Wellness. And uh, I want to thank you for always supporting this project. And I said, you know what? I'm going to call Brother Ron, Dr. Brother Ron, because there's something going on in the uh, social media um, realm right now that I said, you know, we as doctors have can weigh in on this. We can weigh on this, weigh in on this. And uh and it's the uh, conversation uh, surrounding uh, Kirk, Brother Kirk Franklin. And I'm calling bro- Brother Kirk Franklin because I love Kirk, uh, Kirk Franklin. I grew up on his music um, and his energy has been infectious. It, uh, I love gospel music, do you? Oh, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> so that he, property uh, is one that means a lot to all of us. Right, so, so he, he started, you know, this whole like, I, you know, moving gospel music into, you know, that feel good music, you right. know, and that's kind of what I'm trying to do with Uzima. Let's, let's take it from one area that we're comfortable and let's move it ever so slightly into another space and see how it's received. And lo and behold, it was, it was phenomenal. Right. Right. And so you are not only as you were given your accolades, you are a father. Got three kids. Three. How many yeah. sons? Uh, my boy's 24. Uh, I got a, he just finished college. Uh, he's out on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. I got a 26 in law school in Atlanta, and I got a daughter, 3031. She's an orthopedic surgeon in, in California. So I can understand uh, his experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, having 
kids and grown kids. Like his son was 33. It's a challenge for a lot of those. Those are issues that I think uh, have have relevance for all of us. So we've got a lot to talk about. Well, I'm gonna stand up a little bit. My shirt says, "I am Flint." Okay, and what does it say? Stone. Used to spark the fire. There you go. So you Flint, (laughs) you Flint, Dad. You know what I'm saying? You spark the fire in your children, and you and they're supposed to go out and and do what? Make some heat. Good work. I agree. Turn it up, right? Productive for yourself, your family, your community. Absolutely. Right, and sometimes it's not—it's not a perfect science. Would you agree? Oh, I'd agree. It's not a perfect science. So, I this—this uh, this resonated with me because I grew up with uh, my father's one of nine sons. Okay, and uh, so I was always around men talking, and uh, loved going to the barber shop. You know, with my dad. And uh, so it resonated with me to say, wait a minute, Steve Harvey and Kevin Hart and uh, Ricky Smiley, all of my favorites are coming out and supporting and saying, wait a minute now, I'm a father, I have sons, I wanna weigh in on this conversation. And there's some words that they're floating around that I think as a psychiatrist, I said, let me ask the doctor and see what you think, Not not only as a doctor, but a father, and say, you know, comment on these words that I'm hearing, not so much as the interaction between Kirk Franklin and his son, but this is an opportunity to, to, to um, make relevant some conversations of some words, anger. Right. Uh, and abandonment. And I'm gonna pause right. and let you tell me some things in terms of your, 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 your professionalism about that. Right, right, well, I, I'd say a few things. I just look forward to talking to you more at length about it today. Uh, first and foremost, I'd say that um, the circumstance that I um, witnessed or heard, like many Americans and people all around the world, is certainly disconcerting and less than optimal. And no one really wants to be around or aware of anything that's uh, negative or adverse. And I think that my uh, heart goes out to all sides, because probably uh, both sides are hurting emotions in some regard. As a psychiatrist, you know, we're trained not to take sides. We spend a great deal of time trying to mm-hmm. find some... Um, peace and contentment and some middle ground where all sides can they can actually win in resolving emotional and psychological conflict. Mm-hmm. Those are the words that we use in psychiatry. Mm-hmm. But I love your point, Kendra. I think the reality is I am an African-American person, a man, a father of three kids. I'm not sure how many kids Kirk Franklin has, uh, but this is his, his uh, biological son uh, and his emotional son. And for lack of a better term, uh, if, if someone's asked me who do I side with, mm-hmm. I do father in this mm-hmm. setting, and I'll tell you why. First and foremost, I think that all human beings are imperfect. Um, I do believe in the Bible, and uh, whether you're Kirk Franklin and who's involved in music in uh, religion or not, uh, folks who believe in the Bible recognize the Bible makes it very clear. There's only really one perfect person ever walked on the face of this earth. I think that actually makes a lot of sense. So that individuals are imperfect and will make mistakes. They will say the wrong thing. They'll do the wrong things. That's the that's the world we live in, and mm-hmm. that's how the world has always been based on the Bible that we believe in. And I try as a psychiatrist to integrate psychiatric themes, but also be a person who recognizes that what the Bible teaches us actually uh, is a, a pathway for, for life. Mm-hmm. I think it's also clear that uh, in life, everyone has bad days. We have bad moments. We do mm-hmm. the wrong thing. We the wrong thing. This idea that persons are judged by what others know about them when we catch somebody with video or with a camera or a picture, and somehow that makes them different than everyone else. 
who may have had a, a bad day or a bad moment or a bad circumstance that wasn't caught video or television uh, doesn't resonate with me as a psychiatrist. The reality is, uh, what is the individual thinking and feeling and how can they grow is what matters. Just to get so excited, society very often does in a very uh, contemporaneous fashion, I think in a very um, uh, publicity-oriented fashion, is probably less than optimal because it implies that someone is only bad if you know something that's bad about them, if you've seen them on videotape or whatever the case may be. A celebrity is less than authentic circumstance. Mm -hmm. I think a third thing that I also uh, add, though, is that I think that we do have different expectations in society of persons. Maybe Kirk Franklin is a huge issue because he's involved, I think, what I'll call the spiritual, the religious uh, profession. That's mm -hmm. how you're living. He uh, preaches and what have you in their life or sings, I think, a religious gospel. Uh, but that in, in no way should mean that individuals who choose to be involved in that profession mm -hmm. and really slow, so, and then they, they deserve uh, credit for doing so are any less amenable to difficulty and conflict than the rest of us. So the reality is uh, there probably a lot of pain uh, that I heard on that uh, audio tape and mm -hmm. a lot of difficulty on both sides. Mm -hmm. uh, of, in psychiatry, we work to get both sides to learn how to grow, how to throw water on the barbecue fire, not lighter fluid, mm -hmm. how to decrease anger and angst, I love your term, anger and hostility and bring people down from the heightened levels of negativism and heightened adverse emotion to some middle ground where you can make some actual gains and have better relationship uh, growth. I think those are really the key issues uh, for me. And, and whether it was Kirk Franklin, to me, he's the person on that tape, but it's really, he's like a metaphor yes. for humans, for parents, for fathers, mm -hmm. trying to difficult situations with their adult children. Uh, and they are very challenging uh, as they were for him, uh, they've been for me, and they've been for all fathers. You know, that's, uh, you said, uh, it correctly that after all of the media and the social weigh-in I hope that brother Franklin will see that he really is a, a, a metaphor for us to kind of check our own pulse and and to see how we are dealing with our children uh, even the ones who take us who, who basically yank our chains as they say um, that uh, he is imperfect uh, I think um, who was that? Uh, um, Reverend Jesse Jackson used to say, I am somebody and God is not finished with me yet. Nah. I remember that yeah. one. <laughs> we grew up on that one. God is not finished with me yet. Right. Um, I want you to, for us who cannot get to psychiatrists or even to make the move towards counseling, there is a something in psychiatry called personality disorders. Right. And I was always taught those can be medicated. Correct. Give me an example of a personality disorder. Right, there are three clusters. Um, there's the cluster of people who tend to be shy and isolate themselves. Mm -hmm. Schizoid personality disorder, schizotypal. Um, those are persons who uh, tend to have difficulty uh, developing or growing or fostering relationships. So they either don't have any at all, or they, they start quickly and they stop. Persons who may actually want to work a job where they can, uh, can be to themselves. Some job is your you know, working in a warehouse at night, not really around other people, because being around other people creates a great deal of conflict and difficulty internally in you. Internally. That person may decide to be ang have anger or hostility or strike out at others because they really want to decrease persons kind of being around them. These are not your most, you know, um, verbal or talkative or uh, per personality engaged kind of people. They mm -hmm. also don't have friends or relationships. Mm -hmm. There's another group that tends to be a bit more dramatic, uh, histrionic personality. You're, you're very 
outgoing and flamboyant and how you dress and how you speak and what you'll say and how you carry yourself. Mm -hmm. There's narcissistic personality disorder where people unfortunately sometimes are overly um, uh, in independent and they just focus on themselves and they're a bit more, you know, uh, mm -hmm. only about me and, and I'm a bit more selfish in some regards. And other persons who may be um, antisocial personality disorder, where you may be involved in conflict, even if at times violent conflict, and many of you take advantage of the rights of others and, and you abuse them in some regard. Mm -hmm. The third group is a bit more we call dependent. Um, there's a dependent personality disorder. There's a uh, obsessive personality disorder where you tend to need others to do many of the primary basic responsibilities, I think, in your life. So you're right, these tend to be personality disorders and not full... Uh, access one main psychiatric disorder. So they're not like major depression or bipolar disorder or, you know, dementia or schizophrenia. Uh, they, they are bothersome and a bit problematic, mm -hmm. but you generally still function with a personality disorder. You can still go to, you know, get yourself a, a job and, 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 and pay your own bills and live independently or what have you, but they don't lead to extreme dysfunction as an adult in American society or life but they do cause bothersome concerns that make it difficult to function optimally. Let me ask you, do these personality disorders, can they start to take shape in the teenage years? If you've had this child that, you know, you're like, they got a personality. Is that right. something that you hear? Well, absolutely. In fact, uh, by definition, uh, they all can. I think you're right. But by definition, one of them, uh, the one we call ASPD, but the acronym for uh, antisocial personality disorder, by definition, it must have symptoms that begin before the age of 15, mm -hmm. or you really can't make the diagnosis. So all of them tend to uh, occur uh, mm -hmm. in some regards before you're adult, you know, before age 18 or what have you. Uh, they tend very often to, we call them maladaptive patterns of behavior. They really speak to difficulty and lack of optimization and how we grow from our teenage years into our adult years and how we learn to function. Oh. Folks very focused on what, what you have to do in life to be successful. You have to stay out of trouble and get a job and do your chores at home and follow some rules and go to school and, and, and all kinds of things. But as much about what we have to do in life to be successful mm -hmm. is what you have to not do to not be unsuccessful. Mm -hmm. How you avoid the bad things that get you into trouble not just the ones that get you into trouble where you lose your liberty I and mean, you get arrested and go to jail or prison, mm -hmm. but ones that get you in trouble where you know your family doesn't want to be around you much. You don't get about Thanksgiving dinner and where you can't maintain <laughs> a relationship with, uh, right, with your right. friends and colleagues and where you can't you know, uh, keep a job or those type things. Mm -hmm. And you have maladaptive patterns of behavior. Mm -hmm. There's so many components of how you act mm -hmm. that other people just don't really accept regularly. People just mm -hmm. kind of get away from you yeah. and, and lose friends and you lose the ability to build the kind of group friendships that most of us need to, 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 to succeed emotionally in life. So those type of maladaptive behaviors, again, you're the person that people, you know, that the family like, oh boy, here they come. And you create chaos to something that was supposed to be, oh, that is supposed to be enjoyable, or just even like you say, maintaining the day-to-day. -day. And that's-, that's I it Right, I, I think if you get ready to have Sunday dinner, <laughs> Thanksgiving dinner, uh -huh. And Joe comes over, people go to say, oh boy, he comes. You know that within the first five to six mm -hmm. or seven exchanges and mm -hmm. talking, about, something will come up that Joe is mad about or mm -hmm. he reminds people of something that was upsetting or he'll make grandma cry mm -hmm. or he makes somebody want to leave the room or he'll insult somebody. It's mm -hmm. always something. 
Uh, I, I think there's no better term than it's a maladaptive pattern of behavior. Right. Then from, you know, functioning in life and having a job and having his own house and what have you, just can't really get along with people over a long enough period of time. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, most families, there's somebody that fits that category and, right. and we all know who they are. It's right. unfortunate, but it's true. It's true. It's true. And that's what we have to understand. It is true. And that's what the Franklin family has to deal with it, deal with now is that we, you're not the only family. You're not the only family. And that's what I love about uh, folks coming out. And I thought it was important for as physicians, let you all know that we have families too. We have characters right. in our family. Uh, I might be, I might be a character in my family. I don't know. I think I, I think I'm not, but again, um, you know, we, we all want to, um, have that sense of acceptance. Um, I think I, a very pointed question, are you seeing an increase in maladaptive behaviors during this period of COVID? And I, I, I think we are. I think that, you know, COVID has been a game changer for all of us in healthcare. Um, you know, anesthesia, I mean, you may see more people coming for surgery because there's more conflicts and difficulty. I'm in psychiatry, I see more people coming for emotional you know, um, they're trying to deal with, you know, retribution and they're trying to, you know, reorganize and, and uh, redevelop circumstances that actually work for them and make sense. Clearly, I think COVID has brought out uh, the worst in men who can't handle change. Been a huge change for a year now. You, you can't go to a restaurant. That may be one of your normal defense mechanisms. You can't go to church on Sunday. That may be one of the primary emotional release valves you have, I think, psychologically in your life. You can't just kind of get in your car and travel or get on an airplane and go and visit your favorite friend or your sister in Chicago because the airline travel is declining. So, so many changes ever affected people. I think by definition, COVID has been an unfortunate game changer and created mm -hmm. more stress, more anxiety, more difficulty in the lives of many people. And as uh, African-Americans, I'd go further to add that may be worse mm -hmm. on groups that already have uh, more difficulty, more stress, all of the George Floyd you know, fallout from last April has made it very clear that this whole issue of trying to push groups and people to be anti-racist mm -hmm. and try to be, think very aggressively and assertively mm -hmm. about decreasing the behaviors and actions, some by the government that have been problematic for, for ethnic minorities and African-Americans. Uh, so much of that, I think, is, uh, is, is on the forefront now. We're talking about it, but it's actually, I think, exposing where a lot of these uh, negative concerns uh, previously existed. So, uh, mm -hmm. Clearly, you're right. Have seen more difficulty and strife and trouble. I feel like I'm doing a Zoom with some group regularly mm -hmm. yes. in person you know, okay. once a week the last year, it seems like, because so many people have so much to say, so much to get off their chest, so mm -hmm. much that they had a hard time managing or dealing with during the COVID era. I want to uh, explain to the audience that your, your specialty and psychiatrists and anesthesiologists intersect in the uh, severest form of treatment, well, let's say the severest cases where we have to resort to electroconvulsive therapy treatment for patients who are severely um, um, debilitated by depression and other de diseases, so much so that whether it's schizophrenia or whether it is uh, suicidal ideations even. Uh, so I always talk to my psychiatrist buddies when we're doing these cases and uh, I find them very fascinating that the mind can, can shut the body down to a point where the patient is not able to uh, care for themselves. And that is a real uh, phenomenon uh, that can happen between the mind and the body. Uh, and finally, uh, I want you to um, tell us about um, options uh, that you find reasonable in terms of if patients 
if families need to uh, access the mental health community uh, from your experience right now, uh, if you have a minute uh, to say what, what should we do in the case of uh, counseling or emergencies? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think a few things. Um, uh, first and foremost, I, I thank you very much, Dr. Outlaw, for your time. I think these media programs are outstanding, and I've done them off the top of my life, but they're really never better when it's a physician like yourself mm -hmm. who has uh, the talent to be both a physician but also the media contact to address the kinds of questions that I think are so important, I think, in our communities. So I commend you for that, and I commend your, your listeners and your readers for, um, uh, for the time, I think, on a program like this. Uh, I, I'll say four things. Uh, first, I think it's very clear that... Um, we mentioned how stressful COVID era has been. I think COVID has, um, uh, this era has pulled the Band-Aid off a scab or a wound mm -hmm. that was unfortunately deep and, and full of pus metaphorically, you know, mm -hmm. for uh, a century of centuries. And people are now beginning to just be able to talk about some things that historically were being kind of shut down really quickly. So I encourage people to talk. I encourage them to listen. I encourage mm -hmm. them to make settings or situations where you can, actually actively and honestly discuss these kinds of things. We have discussed this a long time in psychiatry for teenagers. You sit on the table and talk to your teenager, let them kind of bounce ideas off of you because they've got to kind of learn, you know, uh, through a maturation process, you know, kind of in an intersegmented type, type way. The same is true for adults who, when they were a teenager, uh, chronologically, or a young adult in their age, couldn't really talk about these kinds of things. Mm -hmm. uh, how it felt to be disrespected and you couldn't get a loan from a bank and you uh, lost a job you shouldn't have or you didn't get a promotion or glass ceiling all those kinds of um areas and in, in ill repute that society has in many regards found a way to bring upon the lives of uh, ethnic minority persons unfortunately and and, and inadvertently uh, and incorrectly excuse me second I'd, I'd, I'd add that i think in addition to talking and listening we should find some proactive things that we can do mm -hmm. that tangible and are helpful. Many people throughout uh, our time period have actually gone to the church and volunteered. It's a great strategy that mm -hmm. you're helping somebody else. Yeah. When you go to church and you volunteer, whether you go and bring food to the sick and the shut-ins or whether you find teenagers who don't have parents or whatever and you give them some leadership, some development, whether you coach the, the church softball team and give teens or uh, young people a chance to, to do something in, in a good way without mm -hmm drugs or alcohol or, or, the, or the bad aspects of life, I think you're doing as much emotionally for yourself yeah. as you do physically for the other person. So I encourage persons to look for some proactive strategy, something tangible they can actually do. This is a time, I think, of action and a time right. to, to do, I always thought that um, Mr. Jesse Jackson earlier, he <laughs> and others historically said, uh, on Martin Luther King holiday, it's not yeah. a day to home and just, you know, barbecue and have good food, but to get out and do something mm. to really be representative of what King already represented. A third thing I simply say though, I think that we should spend some time in reflective thought on our own. Some people medicate, I mean, some do yoga and tie that together. But I think the reality is we live on a very fast paced, hustle and bustle life. And we can kind of miss the key cues of what's happening in our own life. That our society is changing now. Exactly. We want to for the better. That only happens if you, each and every one of you, has a role to play and then more that a more effective change. And the final thing I'd say, uh, not so much for everybody, but to get back to the point you mentioned earlier, I do think we have a society that kind of picks and chooses winners, and that mm -hmm. may not really be fair, winners and losers. The fact that this is Kirk Franklin was not just to me about the fact that it's about religion and he's a religious man, he preaches or sings about religion, but Kirk Franklin's a black man, mm -hmm. and, and I'm a black man, and I've lived in a society, you and I know another guy who yes, uh, good friend, was an African-American man, and we live in a society that has just not been fair. 
And people of all types, including black men, have to say it publicly. I think if you give me this microphone, uh, and I think that very often when things are adverse to any, they're much more likely to come out in the forefront bad for black men. More black men are arrested for the same things that other people do, uh, use cocaine, for example, and in prison. More black men lose their job for the same thing that other people might do, et cetera, et cetera. So I think we should be very cautious, all of us, so of any background, listen to the show, to be thoughtful about the fact that our society has created this false norm that black men, if we're expecting them uh, to be bad or do bad things, it's so quick and easy to really jump to the conclusion when we think we have a small piece of the data about what they've done that may be adverse. That's why I start off by saying, uh, you don't pick sides in a bit like this, but because he's an African-American father, I can understand there could be a lot of stressors and trials and tribulations that may have preceded this conflict he had with his son. Uh, and, and of course, we all would disagree we shouldn't use foul language. We all disagree any comments or threats or comments, excuse me, around any potential uh, violence or it should be, you know, um, denigrated and, and criticized and not allowed to, to, to come to the light of day. But we all should also agree that uh, he, like everybody else, needs some space to heal yes. and maybe some help. And a lot of his singing helps other people in church on Sunday. We should allow some of what we do in medicine to help him, I think, on, on, on Monday through Friday. So those are my, my final comments. And we definitely thank you very much for the opportunity today. Thank you so much. I'm gonna let it end there on that commentary. I want you to know that I'll be back because I wanna hear about your move to LSU. I think you are in a city that is very near and dear. Not that you wasn't before, but New Orleans is very near and dear to my heart. Um, and I know that you're gonna continue to do good work for us. We thank you for what you do, Brother Ron, Dr. Ron Bailey, psychiatrist, phenomenal, uh, NMA, uh, past president-elect. I mean, the list goes on and on and I appreciate you. We're gonna have you back, okay? Happy Appreciate Sunday. It. Have a good day. You too. Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday.